Titus chapter 2, please. Titus chapter 2. start reading in verse 11 of Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can be together today in Sun School. Pray that you bless our time uh, both here and in each of the classes. May you be exalted. May you be lifted up. May you be praised. Uh, your word go forth in power. Give me wisdom, I pray, as I share your word this morning. May our hearts be blessed and refreshed by its truth. And just guide our time together now around your word. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Elizabeth Keckley was a slave in the, city, in the state of Missouri before the American Civil War. And her greatest desire was to purchase the freedom, her freedom and the freedom of her son. Her owner agreed that if she could raise $1,200, she could gain her freedom. Now, Keckley worked as a seamstress and came up with a plan that she would go to New York and there work and uh, then send the money back to her master. In order to raise that money, she wanted to go to a larger city, but her owner feared that she would not return. And so she was wondering what was going to happen, and some of her wealthy clients contributed the money that she needed to purchase her freedom. And Elizabeth Keckley paid the price for the freedom of herself and her son. But you know, without the help of someone else, Keckley would never have been able to purchase her freedom. And the truth is that all of us are enslaved to sin. And we had no hope of ever gaining our freedom. And one of the great truths of the word of God is that God would have all men to be saved. Or as it's put another way, that he is not willing that any should perish. People could not save themselves though. Even though God's desire is that we all be saved and none of us should perish, the truth is no one can save themselves. Therefore, God's grace had to bring salvation to lost mankind, which is what he says. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. God's grace had to appear to all men so it could bring salvation to all mankind. As soon as we did not deserve salvation, as soon as we did not desire salvation, but in mercy and compassion, God came and Jesus gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross of Calvary for you and for me to purchase our redemption by shedding his blood on the cross. God in his grace sent his son to redeem us from the bondage of sin. There is a universal need. Men 
and women are lost in sin, bound for eternity without God. And God provides the universal remedy for all who will believe he offers salvation. And I want you to consider with me this morning in the time that we have the matter of salvation and redemption as for us in verse 14 of Titus chapter 2 where we read who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purifying himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. I want you to notice first of all the price of redemption, the price of redemption here in verse 14. It says who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. You know, sin brings us into bondage. Sin brings us into slavery. And redemption is what is required to deliver us from that sin and that bondage, that slavery that we find ourselves in. Sin makes us guilty before a holy God. And with that declaration of guilt, there comes a price that has to be paid for our sin. There's a punishment required for the condition we find ourselves in. Romans 6.23 says, the wage of sin is death. There is a consequence for our behavior. There is a consequence for our rebellion against God. There's a consequence for the state we're in. And all of us are sinners. There's non-righteous. No, not one, the Bible tells us. We've all sinned against a holy God. And the consequence of that sin, the payment for that sin, according to God's word, is death or separation from God for eternity. Sin renders us liable to the curse and the condemnation of God's word, God's law. Sin separates us from God and condemns us to eternal punishment in hell and the lake of fire. But because God loved us, because God as our creator loved us, he sent his son to die for us. John 3.16, as we know well, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He died for us. And therefore, in Titus 2.14, we read the words, Who gave himself for us? In order to redeem us, in order to save you and I, in order to ensure that you and I had our sins forgiven, ensure that you and I have a home in heaven, ensure that you and I will not spend eternity in the fire. The Bible says that Jesus Christ gave himself for us. We know it's Jesus Christ, as verse 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us. Christ gave himself for us. He died as our substitute upon the cross of Calvary. Jesus gave himself. The word gave there is an interesting word because it actually means he gave himself voluntarily. No one coerced him to go to the cross. No one forced him to go to the cross. Even mankind did not, who arrested him, condemned him, and led him up Calvary's hill, did not, were not in control. Jesus Christ voluntarily laid down his life for you and for me. He voluntarily died upon the cross of Calvary for you and me. He gave himself willingly to be our substitutes. So Jesus Christ died for sinners like you and me. He has made sin for us that he might redeem us, that he might rescue you and I from the punishment due to sin. 
He took our place upon the cross of Calvary. He took our sin in his body on the cross so that we might be saved. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And he did this for you and he did this for me. He died upon the cross of Calvary. He took our sin upon himself. He bore the punishment for our disobedience to God. He bore the punishment for our sin upon Calvary. He voluntarily went to the cross to die for you and for me that we might have eternal life. He did this, as it says in verse 14, to redeem us, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. That he might redeem us. The word redeem here means to set free by the paying of a ransom price. It comes from the, uh, the word that means to loose, to set free. It's just a condition for release. The condition for release was the payment of a ransom. In order for you and I to be set free from the chains that bind us, to be set free from the sin that condemns us, to be set free from the slave market of sin in which we are, we find ourselves, in order for you and I to be set free, there's a condition of freedom, and that freedom is the payment of a ransom. It's like we said in that story at the beginning with uh, that lady by the name of uh, Elizabeth Keckley. In order for her to obtain her freedom from slavery, she had to pay a price. There was a ransom price to pay. She had to pay $1,200 to her master in order that her and her son might be set free. And she could not do that alone. She depended upon other people, the generosity of others, to give of their money to her that she could give it to her master so she and her son could be set free. And you and I are sinners bound by sin, hell-bound sinners. And there's a price to be paid, and that payment is death. And Jesus Christ paid the ransom for you and I. He paid the price in order to redeem us. He died upon the cross of Calvary so that we might be redeemed. You and I were slaves to sin, Titus 3.3 says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hating now, hateful and hating one another. That's what we were. We were sinners. And we could not set ourselves free. But Jesus Christ gave himself a ransom for all. He died to pay the price required by God for our salvation. And the purchase price for our salvation for those that believe to release us from bondage and sin for those who believe, it's to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. That's what Christ was paid to redeem us. He died that all men might be saved. For God believed that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, that all mankind should be saved. And Jesus Christ paid the ransom price upon the cross of Calvary so that all who believe in his finished work might be saved. He shed his blood. He gave himself. By suffering and death, he paid the ransom that God demands. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, For as much as we know that we're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish of that spot. He paid the ransom price. 
And that price was his shed blood. And upon the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for you and for me that we might indeed be redeemed. That the price might be paid for our salvation. He paid the ransom price that you and I might be delivered from the slave market of sin, that you and I might be delivered from eternity in the lake of fire. He paid the price. Christ has done all that's necessary to save sinful men. He gave himself. Notice what it says. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. From all iniquity. The word iniquity here means lawlessness. Because the reality is that every one of us have broken God's law. The law is recorded in the word of God, the truth of God's word. There is none, none of us that have been able to keep God's holy law perfectly. And if you offend in one point, then you're guilty of all. If you break the law in one area, then you're guilty of breaking all the law. You have a consequence to pay. There is a price to pay for the breaching of the law of God. Because we were lawless, because we'd broken God's law, we stood condemned. And as unsaved, we were rebels against God. We were spiritually dead. As Ephesians 2.1 says, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Spiritually dead. We had no hope of eternal life. No hope of a home in heaven. No hope of sins forgiven. No hope of you and I having any hope for the future except for a Christly eternity. Christ died to pay the ransom price so we could be redeemed. Deliver us from all iniquity. The word ransom means literally a price paid for the freedom of captives. Whether that be a captive who is a slave, whether that be a captive who during war has been uh, captured by the enemy and a ransom is required in order for that captive to be released, or whether someone is taken hostage, and in order for the hostage to be released, a, a price has to be paid. That's this word, ransom. The price is to be paid for the freedom of those who are in captivity. People by nature are captive to sin. People by nature are sold under sin. We are lawless. We are sinners. For we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And therefore, we're under condemnation, Ephesians 2, 3 tells us. You and I are all under the curse, Galatians 3, 10 tells us. We must therefore have perished unless there had been some way by which we could be rescued. And that was done by the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary by giving his life a ransom for us. He's redeemed us from all iniquity. He died in the place of sinners. And God was willing to accept his death on our behalf as payment for our sin so that you and I might be delivered from eternal punishment. God was pleased to appoint his son to die upon the cross of Calvary, that you and I might indeed be set free by the payment of the ransom price, the death of Jesus Christ for you and I. It's illustrated well in 1 Timothy 2.5 where it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The word mediator means one who stands in the middle. 
Jesus Christ voluntarily took a stand between God and man and took the wrath of God that was due to you and I upon himself. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be declared the rights of God in him. He stood in the middle. He stood between God and man. And the wrath of God was poured out upon him so that you and I don't have to endure any of that punishment for eternity if we believe in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.3 says he became a curse for us or a curse over us. Christ is standing over us, standing between God and man, standing between the curse of the law, the broken law that you and I are guilty of, so that the curse falls upon him and not upon us. It's illustrated so well in the Ark of the Covenant. There is the Ark of the Covenant there in the temple, and on the top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat upon which the blood is poured, and underneath the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, inside is the law of God. That which condemns is in the law, is in the center of the Ark of the Covenant. The lid of the covenant, the mercy seat, is covered by the blood, and the blood it protects us from the condemnation of the law. Jesus Christ stood between us and God so that you and I would not suffer the consequences of condemnation. You and I would be delivered from that punishment. For he hath made him to be sin for us. He knew our sin that we might be declared the righteous of God in him. And we can praise the Lord today. He paid the price of our redemption with his blood. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, he died for you. He died that you might be saved, that you might have eternal life, that you might escape the punishment to come. He paid the ransom for you. The price of our redemption. Look secondly and briefly at the purpose of our redemption in verse 14. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. The reason why he redeemed us is to purify unto himself a peculiar people. Jesus Christ didn't just die to redeem us, but he died to purify us to make us a peculiar people. Now the word uh, purify here means to cleanse. And it's speaking of sanctification. He didn't only die to redeem us, redemption, but he died to sanctify us, sanctification. To make us a peculiar, a particular, a special people. Salvation is not only a change of position, but Christ died to secure in us a change of attitude, a change of appetite, a change of ambition, a change of action. He died to change us. Not only to save us, but to change us, to sanctify us. Or as Romans 8.29 puts it, you and I might be made like unto his dear son. It's God's desire that every believer be made more like Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says that he wants to sanctify us. He wants to bring us from glory to glory and by the Spirit of God changes into the image of his dear Son. Redemption is the beginning. Redemption is the start. But that's not all that Christ did when he saved us. When he redeemed us, he redeemed us to purify us, to sanctify us, 
to conform us, to transform us into the image of his Son. The same grace saved us also will transform us. Christ died to sanctify as much as he died to save so that you and I might be a peculiar, a special people. He redeemed us to make us special, to make us his own. Now, redemption, you and I are placed in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, and you and I are now made the bride of Christ. We are a special people. We're his church, we're his body, we're his bride. We're a special people. And daily because of that, you and I ought to be distinguished from the world. That's Titus 2.12. It says, teaching us that denying godliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Daily because of our redemption, we are supposed to become more and more like Christ. And we do that as we submit to his will. He purifies us. We are peculiar people once we're saved. His special people. And we're supposed to act like it. And that tells us, thirdly, the product of our redemption. The price of our redemption was the ransom price, the blood of Christ. The purpose of our redemption was to purify into ourselves a peculiar, special people to sanctify us, to redeem us, to sanctify us. The product of redemption is that you and I might be zealous of good works. Verse 14, purifying himself of peculiar people, zealous of good works. This purchased peculiar people, say that quickly, this purchased peculiar people who are being purified daily by God's grace ought to display it. And we display it by being zealous of good works. The word zealous has the idea of zest, an enthusiasm, a passion. You and I have to have a passion for good works. We're redeemed from our vain conversation to serve God in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. You and I are being saved and we are being sanctified that you and I might indeed be zealous, passionate about serving God. We've been redeemed and we're commanded to do good. Just turn back quickly to 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We're his peculiar people, and now you and I are to glorify God in our body and his spirit, which are his, because we've been redeemed. Bought with a price. Now glorify God. Be zealous of good works. We've been redeemed by, from the power of sin. You and I have been redeemed. Uh, you and I have been redeemed from the penalty of sin. And one day you and I will be redeemed from the presence of sin. But now daily you and I need to walk in righteousness, the glory of God, seeking not to disobey him, but being zealous of good works. A peculiar people. You know, our citizenship is in heaven. 
This is not our home. We're just passing through. And we're to be zealous of good works. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You know, the word zealous has the idea of boiling hot. Boiling hot. You and I are to be boiling hot for good works. The passion of our hearts ought to be that we want to day by day, moment by moment, obey our Heavenly Father and be what we ought to be to the glory of God because He's redeemed us, He's sanctifying us. One day He'll glorify us. And in the meantime, we're to be zealous of good works. We consider our redemption ought to challenge us to do good works. He won the victory at Calvary. He provided the victory for us so we can walk in victory. We could not save ourselves. Because of God's grace and mercy and compassion, Jesus Christ gave himself for us. Purchasing our redemption, purchasing our salvation upon the cross of Calvary by shedding his blood for you and for me. God sent his son that he might redeem us by his grace that we might have eternal life and a home in heaven. I wonder today, do you know the Savior? You've been redeemed. There's a time and place in your life where you know that you've come to a holy God, acknowledging yourself as an undone sinner before him and realize that the only means of redemption you have is Jesus Christ and Christ alone, you've cried to him for salvation, and he saved you. See, the universal need of man, man needs a savior, needs a redeemer. And God provides the universal remedy for that problem. For all who believe, he sent his son to die upon the cross of Calvary, so that now whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. Do you know the savior today? And those of us who are saved, now that we are saved, beloved, we're a peculiar people. We're a special people. He, he saved us to purify us unto good works, to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Is that our passion today? Is that our zeal today? Is that our uh, uh, heart today that we want to simply serve him, honor him, and live for him? So today, I wonder, have you been redeemed? And if you have, then are you giving thanks to God for that redemption and seeking to live zealously for him till Jesus comes? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Father God, for the uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 to 14, but particularly verse 14. It speaks about our redemption, Father God, that Jesus Christ gave himself to pay the price of our redemption, to pay the price of our salvation. And Father, we thank you for that wonderful gift of love, for the grace, Father God, that Jesus Christ brings to men. Lord God, that you, by your grace, desire to save all who will believe. And Father, all who do believe, you save thank you for that we thank you father because of that redemption because of that salvation that's ours we know that we are a peculiar people that you saved us father god to purify unto himself a peculiar people
Oh, Lord, help us to be zealous of good works to your glory. Commend your word, Father God, now to our hearts, we pray. We pray that you bless the morning tea, Father, as we join together for that. We pray that, Father, that our fellowship be sweet and bring us back together again at 11 o'clock for the service that you might be honoured and you might be praised. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I do need to mention that it is uh, uh, Will Onus is leaving for Northern Queensland this week. So he is with us for the last time today. So during morning tea, you need to say your farewells to him and uh, just let him know that we're going to miss him as he moves up the morning.